right, why don't you bring it back? Any, uh, anything that was unexpected? Anybody say something, you're just like, what? Anybody, any random talents that nobody had any idea about? What's yours, Mitch? He can unicycle. You know, the thing about unicycles is like, I mean, you're, you're, you're not super extroverted, right? No, but, but when you're on a unicycle, you're saying, everyone, look at me, right? Check, check me out. Pretty much, yeah. Do you juggle? Do you juggle too while you're on the unicycle? Okay, not yet. All right, well, work on it. All right, uh, I, I bring this up because uh, we, we just kicked off a new series uh, that we've been, uh, just last week was the first week. This is the second week that we're calling Entrusted and looking at these uh, four different aspects of time, treasure, talent, and ticker. Um, for some reason, I'm doing them in reverse order. Uh, started last week with ticker, looking at the heart. This week, we're going to be looking at talent, uh, our gifts. Next week, we'll be looking at our treasure. And then the next week, we'll be looking at uh, time. And, uh, and so what's the point of this? Why, why, why are we doing this? Um, I read this last week. Let me read this again, though, the kind of the the Cliff's Note, Spark Notes version of Entrusted. It says, stewardship speaks of two critical realities. Number one, God is the owner of everything, period. Number two, God entrusts us to oversee some of his most special gifts. In this four-week series, we will learn more concerning the stewardship of God's creation and gifts. And more importantly, we will worship more deeply the one who owns it all. And so last week, we looked at Ticker and the other three are vastly wrapped up within the heart. That when we examine our talents, our gifts, when we examine uh, our, our treasure and how we spend our money, and when we look at our time and how we spend our time, our heart needs to be vitally intertwined with those three aspects. That if I'm doing something out of obligation, it's not love. Uh, last night, I officiated a wedding uh, for Aaron and James. They're obviously not here. I don't know why, uh, but... <laughs> Uh, they, it was a great time. We really had a, had a lot of fun. And, uh, uh, but, I, but I talked about this, this idea. We looked at Romans chapter 12 and, and that we should have a sincere love for one another and sincere, that I need to have a heart that's actually involved within my love of God, not just, well, he saved me, so I guess I owe it to him, right? No, there's, there's a desire uh, that we have when we love God back. And so we looked at Acts chapter 2, uh, just briefly, and so let me just read this because we see all of these aspects. This is the early church. The church had just just launched. There was 3,000 people that were added to the church because of the Apostle Peter's preaching and teaching early on. And then this is what happens. This is the result of them following Jesus. It says, they devoted themselves, the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. We're gonna do all of that this morning. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That's where, that's where the ticker comes from. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And kind of looked at this life of, 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 a, of a believer or in the church that you have individuals who are exploring faith. They're checking out Christianity. They, they only know a little bit about Christianity from their, from their grandmother or maybe their parents, but they, they didn't grow up going to church or they left the church. They got hurt by the church. Fill in the blank. But they, 
come to a moment they say, no, I actually wanna check out this thing that's called Christianity and I don't wanna learn it from the news. I actually wanna go to a church and see what this is all about. And they meet Jesus. And so that first cross there is dying to sin, uh, that we die to sin. We go from death to life, from darkness to light. And we become this new believer and everything's really exciting, right? We read, and we read books and we take classes and we're just really amped up. You know, I, I you know, take notes, you know, when I'm in church, you know, and that kind of thing. All right, not, it's okay if you don't take notes or you do take notes. I'm not, sorry, that may have, you know, went too far. And then you go to a growing believer and there's not really like a, a time limit on this, but we're growing in our faith. But when we're in that grouping of growing, we become stagnant. And if you've been a believer for any period of time, uh, things can be like, yeah, I, I've heard this before. You know, the, my pastor's not feeding me uh, or I just feel like my prayer life isn't really doing anything. I don't feel close to God anymore. And we become stagnant. And to, to use the phrase, uh, instead of becoming fishers of men, we then start becoming keepers of the aquarium. Uh, that was a phrase that I remember hearing growing up and it's just stuck or it just got seared in there. Uh, but, but that's what we do. We, we turn inward and we focus on ourselves. We focus on our little group of friends and we don't really care about other people and new people. And we don't wanna, we just wanna work on ourselves. But then that second cross though is where we die to self. And that's what we focused on last week that my heart needs to change, that I need to die to self, to be focused on the gospel and then apply the gospel to my life daily. And when we do that, then we're really excited about telling other people that are exploring their faith about Jesus. And it's just this life cycle. And yet we might be in our, in our faith walk in one of these categories. And yet when I look at something like that, I go, yeah, I did that all of them yesterday. <laughs> Right, I made decisions as if I was an unbeliever, as if Jesus wasn't my Lord and Savior. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a new believer. I read something. I'm really excited about my faith and I'm passionate about it. And I see someone turn to Jesus and it's so exciting. And then there are times where I'm just like, yeah, I'm going through the motions. I'm doing this because it's my job. And then there are times though, when I die to self and it's just like, Jesus, this is why. This is why I'm doing all of this. And it's and it's life-giving. And, and, but looking at this idea of our hearts, that they need to be engaged, that we need to die to self in order to serve each other. And that's what leads us in then to our, our talents. And so I just have a couple of questions uh, as I walk through somewhat of an outline. And, and the first one is this, what is it? What is a talent or a gift? And how is it used? And, and I teach an entire class on, on gifts of the Spirit. We're not going to necessarily do that this morning, uh, but I'm briefly going to talk about, about that, but then how, how it's used. And so why should I use it or uh, how or in what ways? And so I want to first look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4 through 7. Uh, I'm going to be kind of all over the New Testament this morning. And so feel free to follow along uh, if you'd like to, if you have an app or a, or a Bible, uh, feel free to do that. But everything will be up on the screen that I read from scripture today. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. And so what we see, even looking at last week, that when I die to sin, that first cross, 
The spirit of God indwells me. It says I'm sealed with the, with the spirit of God. And sometimes I think in our culture, we don't really know what that means. And I'm sure we'll have a deeper class or a lesson on what it means to actually be filled by the Holy Spirit, to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And what are these gifts that he gives me? But today I want to focus on the fact that if you are a follower of Jesus, you have a gift. You have a spiritual gift the Spirit has given you when you die to sin. Uh, there are different tests you can take online. I'm not a big fan of, of online tests that take five minutes, uh, but you could do this. There are different websites, right? Anything that's like a, uh, who am I? Tell me in five minutes what kind of person I am. It's, I, you know, whatever, you can do your thing if you want to do that. But there's uh, online tests to find your spiritual gifts. And I had a friend uh, who took one of these one time back when I was an intern at Hope. And uh, he, we took one of these spiritual uh, gifts tests and he came back, his top two uh, were poverty and celibacy. <laughs> and he was just like, no, <laughs> like what? That's not what I, uh, you know? And it kind of gets in your head like, well, I guess that's who I'm meant to be. It's like, no, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. It was, you know, an online free test. I wouldn't get too worried about it. Uh, right? So just be cautious with that, right? But sometimes, a lot of times what will happen is the spirit will enable someone, give them a gift, maybe completely uh, contrary to their, 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 their own natural abilities, if you will. Um, for example, I had a grandfather who for decades was an alcoholic, uh, came to Christ, and it was just kind of one of those stories. You're like, I don't know, is that real? I mean, overnight, stop drinking. Stop being an alcoholic. Now, is that a gift of the Spirit? I think the gift of the Spirit is being a sober mind, following after Jesus to then care for his family in a way that he hadn't done for decades. Right, there are, but then there are gifts, though, that we have that are our natural abilities, uh, that I'm, hey, I'm a good musician, but then I come to Jesus, but now my heart, my attitude towards wanting to play music in front of people isn't just so people can see me lead worship, but it's so that I can help lead other people in worship. But I want to focus, though, mainly the main part on the last part of that verse that say the Spirit is given for the common good. That there are not gifts that are given. The Spirit doesn't work in a way to say, oh, hey, look at me. I'm some big shot. I, I get to do this thing, and I want everyone to know the gift that I have been given by God. No, it's for the common good. It's, not, it's for the body of Christ, but it's beyond that. It's for the kingdom of God. First Peter chapter four, verse 10 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received, right? So again, if I'm in Christ, I have a gift. So each of you should use whatever gift that you have received, what? To serve others, not self, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In first Corinthians chapter 12, specifically verse 21, the apostle Paul talks about uh, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, right? And, th and this happens a lot within us or the church because we're a body, not just, a, we are a local body, we're a local church, but, but bigger church. The, every believer is part of the body of Christ and we get to serve the body of Christ, right? The kidney doesn't get to say, mm, I'm gonna take the day off, right? If my kidney decided to take the day off right now, even though you can't see my kidney, you would all know mm, something's wrong, right? Uh, that's just how it works. And if, all, if something's visual, my pinky, you can see my pinky, but if my pinky stopped working, I could probably uh, get through today's sermon, right? You probably wouldn't really notice that. 
But there are things that happen behind the scenes that are unseen, unknown even to the vast majority of people. And those are the gifts. Those are the gifts that we really get to highlight as a body of Christ. So, and this is incredibly tied in, incredibly immensely tied in then to the heart, that when we look at our talents, we look at our gifts to be able to serve the body, so much of it has to do with my heart. So let me just read 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, 1 through 13. This is the whole chapter. And I'm not gonna stop and make a lot of analysis in here. I just wanna, wanna read this. But it says this, if I speak of the tongues of angels, men are angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging, clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Wow, that sun just came out. Did you guys notice that? Woo! There we go. Come on, clouds. Boy, I can't see that back screen anymore. I'm going to look down at my notes here. All right, it says this. Uh, I gain nothing. Verse four, and this is, these are verses right here that if you've ever been to a wedding, people love to use these verses in weddings, and that's okay. That's, these are really good wedding verses, but this verse is not about a husband and a wife. These verses are about the church. It's about the body of Christ. And so in serving one another, it says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's the body of Christ when it comes to our love and our heart towards for one another and for Christ, and then to encourage and to love and to serve one another. Continuing, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, this is Christ, when he returns, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the things of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. And then we shall see face to face. I'm going to see Christ. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully now. Verse 13, and now these three remain. That is now. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why does the Apostle Paul say the greatest of these is love? It's actually pretty obvious if you sit back and think about it, that when I see Christ face to face, however that's going to look, however the end times and all that's going to work out, when I see my Savior face to face, do I need faith anymore to know if he's real or not? No. He, I can touch him. He's right here. Do I need to hope that he's going to return and make all things new anymore? No, that will happen. It will be done with, but will always remain is love. And we get to do that now. We don't have to wait. We get to do that today, now, for one another. Even yesterday in, my, in the wedding, talking about, hey, in Genesis, 
In chapter three, when sin enters the world, we see marriage just ripped apart. We see sin enter into that relationship that used to be perfectly harmonious and sin enters and now all of a sudden there's deceit and rivalry and, and, and forceful submission. And then we see then in the end of the book, we see Jesus return and sees his beautiful bride, all of his people. And he says, everything that was once bad and wrong is done with. It'll be as if it never happened, but we're not there yet. We're here now and the already not yet. Jesus has died for my sins. I can love him. I can love others. But I'm not there yet. But we now as a church, we get to image that. We get to mirror that. Well, someday we will see face to face. And we get to demonstrate that love together. So why did I ask that first question about your hidden talents? If I had to share my hidden talent, <laughs> it would be I can clap with one hand. Can anyone else do that? It's not like a, like a very special thing. Okay, okay, Ben, that makes sense. It's kind of a nerdy thing. It's kind of a nerdy thing. You can kind of figure it out, okay? But, and, I'll, and I'll teach you. It's actually very simple. But what you do, uh, and this goes back to, um, uh, there was uh, an episode, this was like a decade ago, of uh, Nitro Circus. Um, you probably don't even know what that is. But anyways, uh, Travis Pastrana, and uh, it was on TV. And um, they, they set out to, to do as many, break as many Guinness Book World Records as they possibly could in one, one episode, and it was like 12. But one of them that they did, they're doing like backflips in, in monster trucks and stuff like that. But then one guy was like, I can clap with one hand. And so they timed it, and he broke the Guinness Book of World Records of clapping with one hand in a minute, uh, how many claps. And I was like, I, I, I think I could beat that, actually. Uh, but the way you do it is you, you can practice, but you, you, you lock your wrist, you lock your wrist, but your fingers got to be limp, okay? Yeah, yeah, that's how you do it, okay? Can you do that? Oh, okay. All right. All right. So then you can get the double, the double flap. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. Right. Uh, all right. So now, now here's, here's why I bring this up. Okay. Uh, because when we look at America's Got Talent, right, this, this uh, TV show, and if you've ever watched it, it's, it's absolutely insane, the different things, the talents that people have. And they're willing to put their, their lives on the line just for two minutes of entertainment for people, right? But what's the whole point of America's Got Talent? It's, hey, look at me, right? Look what I can do. I have this unique gift that nobody else can do, and I should be known for this thing. I want to have my, my couple minutes in spotlight, and I want to I wanna let the world know who I am and how good I am, right? We think about uh, Instagram or Facebook or, or uh, TikTok or, or anything. People just want to have their, their moment of glory, of, of fame. But it's so incredibly different to when we think about the church's got talent, right? That these are things that are happening behind the scenes. These are things that are incredibly boring, Right? Could you imagine if this was a TV show, right? Churches Got Talent, the things that would be on that. It wouldn't be the preacher. It wouldn't be some uh, author who wrote some best-selling book. It would be things that are self-sacrificing because it's not about the people. And most of these spiritual talents go on with nobody even knowing that they're there. So we can look at America's Got Talent versus the church's got talent. This is the winner of this year's, uh, I didn't even think about a spoiler alert if you're watching this. <laughs> so I didn't even think about that. Uh, this guy, Dustin, he wins and he's a, he's a, a magician. 
All right, so he does some, some magic and, and wows everyone and ends up being the winner of America's Got Talent because he is, he's America's greatest musician of 21, I guess, that tried out for this show, right? But when we compare that then to the church's Got Talent, think of if this was a show. We've got Dusty and Delma who faithfully completed another trip around the sun, praying every day for the past 27 years for their son to know Jesus. Think that would get a lot of viewers? <laughs> Probably not. This is not a real couple. This was a stock photo that I found online, just so you know. <laughs> there is no Dusty and Delma. Right, we've got uh, Keith and Abby who roast their own coffee beans to donate them to the local church, right? Nobody knows, nobody cares, but it impacts people, right? That son who's been prayed for, that he knows that his parents are faithfully praying for him daily, that there are people who do ministries that are behind the scenes, and I'm serious, they're boring, but they're needed and they're necessary. One of my favorite things that people do, honestly, not just because I'm up here talking, but is the sound booth, that people that are in the soundboard, nobody even knows they're back there until what? until something goes wrong. And then what's everyone do, right? Well, and usually it's my fault. My mic's not on, or I did something wrong, right? But everyone, right? But it's just a thankless job. And yet if they weren't back there, it'd be, I'd be screaming more than I normally do, right? We get to, it's needed and necessary to serve one another, to serve the body, whether that's inside the church or even outside the church, beyond the church's walls, outside of the local church, it's necessary for the advancement of the gospel into the kingdom of darkness. And a phrase that we use a lot around hope is that we have been given the gospel to go into the kingdom of darkness and trash the joint. One of my favorite verses is Matthew 16, 18. And I know I've mentioned this many times, but it says the gates of hell will not prevail against the, the church, against the gospel. And gates are defensive. And hell and the kingdom of darkness, they only have gates. They can only defend because the gospel of Jesus has authority and power to go into that place and trash the joint. So the second aspect then is why should I use my talent? I'm just gonna read a parable. Parables, uh, briefly, it's a parable from Jesus in Matthew chapter 25. Parables are mainly meant to convey one thing. And usually one thing only, and we can try to over-allegorize, and so we got to be careful with that. We can uh, read between the lines a little bit too much or try to write myself into it a little bit too much. I think this one, Jesus is reading, and he's telling the story for one thing, and usually the vast majority of the parables that Jesus shares are to convey what the kingdom of God is like. And what is it actually like to be part of this kingdom of God? That the kingdom of God is like a little child to have childlike faith to believe in me. Not ignorant, but just trusting. And we have that all, there's all these different uh, parables that Jesus will share about the kingdom of God. And so he's gonna tell a little bit of a longer one in Matthew chapter 25. And I'm just gonna read this. I'm not gonna stop. I don't think we really needed a lot of commentary on this. But Jesus says this regarding our talents and why. Matthew chapter 25, 14 through 30 says this. Again, it will be, and it, the kingdom of God, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. And so you can allegorize this in a sense that Jesus is this man going on a journey, that he, he dies, he is risen again, he hits a glorified body and he ascends into heaven, that he's on this journey. 
And while he is gone, he calls his servants and entrusts his wealth to them. That's why our series is called Entrusted. That God entrusts us with gifts, with talents that he wants us to use. And so this is the story, the parable that Jesus tells. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrust me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrust me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, we can see where this is going, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Now, what's interesting is that I think we need to pause here is that the master is not hard. The master has been incredibly generous to give these bags of gold, to entrust these individuals with these gifts. But this is this person's interpretation of the master. You're harsh. So I was afraid, so I went and hid it. It's not how the master is, but this individual interprets that that way. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. And then he says, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. He's saying, you, you perceive me this way, and yet you still didn't. If anything, you, you thought that I was going to come back and, and, and grade you on how valuable you are to me and your works and what you do for me. You don't understand me, but if you thought that's how I was, then why didn't you work your tail off? That's a, so he said, it doesn't make any sense. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. So when I return, I could have received that 1.5% cash back. Right? That, that's, he's just saying, I mean, worst case scenario, just put it in the bank. Right? That's, I mean, that, that's, that could have, that's the least you could have done, but you hid it. Nobody even knew about it. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who had 10 bags. For whoever has been given more, they will have an abundance. And whoever does not, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so I'm not, I'm not here to, to dig into this. And, and again, it's a parable. And so some things are, are unclear. What does this mean? But I do know, and we've talked about this, that I cannot lose my salvation. If salvation is a gift from God that he has given me, there's nothing I can do then to undo what I couldn't do on my own. Does that make sense? If I couldn't do anything to earn it, I can't do anything to unearn it. But what we see is that we have Christians, we have believers who have been given gifts who just sit on it. And they don't just sit on it, they, they hide it. 
And they keep it to themselves, either selfishly or because they're afraid or fill in the blank. And so it is a little bit of warning here. The use of my talents benefit everyone. So to say it in a positive way, when I don't utilize my talents or when you don't utilize your talents, you not only, not only do you miss out on the opportunity to serve, but others also miss out on the opportunity to serve. C.S. Lewis has this really cool quote, and this just popped in my head, so I'm going to butcher it. But C.S. Lewis has this really great quote that he uh, and J.R. Tolkien, uh, Lord of the Rings guy, uh, were really good friends, and they had a mutual friend, a third friend, and I forget his name off the top of my head. Does anyone remember? Charles. He had a third friend named Charles. Oh, Charles answered that question. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, and, and, this, and this third friend dies. And, and the, the, the whole point of it isn't, hey, I miss my friend. But he says there's something unique about the way Charles brings out uh, 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 Reginald. What's his name? Uh, John. Uh, what's, I just said his name. Now I forget his name. Who's, who's Lord of the Rings guy? J.R. Tolkien. Uh, right? But the, so Charles brings out a specific aspect of J.R. Tolkien. See, I told you I was going to butcher this. He brings out a certain aspect of J.R. Tolkien that I'm not going to get to see anymore. This, you see what I'm saying? That So Charles dies, but he brought out a specific John way of acting and talking, and now I miss out on that. And I think when we apply our talents or we hold them back, not only do I miss out on the opportunity to serve you, but we also miss out on the opportunity to be blessed by you. Does that make sense? And in a negative way, which I think this parable does definitely talk about, you don't only hurt yourself when you keep your talents to yourself, but you hurt the whole body. A kidney can't take a day off. So moving on, how, how do we do this? I want to get a little bit more practical, maybe. And, and my prayer this morning was just that the Spirit would, would convict, would open your eyes in what ways, what talents do I have? Because you, you honestly might be sitting here and saying, I don't even know what my gifts are. I don't know what they are. But what I do know is the heart is incredibly connected. That if it doesn't bring you joy, if it doesn't bring you gladness of heart and soul to do these things, I'm telling you, I don't want you doing it. If you are incredibly introverted and you just look mad all the time, this guy, right? I'm not super introverted, but I can, I can look angry, right? It can come across a little tense, right? I don't want you greeting people on Sunday morning. I don't want you doing it. Hey, welcome. Glad you're here. <laughs> I'm sorry I have to be here. It's cold. <laughs> Coffee's bitter. <laughs> Whatever. Right? I don't. I want you to. I want you to fill a role. And that, and again, I, and I know I, I, my analogies and a lot of them have been within the church, but even outside of the church, we can use these gifts. And so when we when we look at this idea of the church has got talent, the body of Christ is much greater than hope lower talent. So I don't want you to hear just giftings of how to use these talents or gifts within the church. But maybe a, a short list is make coffee. You can even roast your own coffee. That was, I came up with that one this morning or last night. Teach Sunday school, run around with kids in the gym, right? Get a little workout, go home sweaty after church, <laughs> work in the soundboard, play an instrument, invite other people to your home. I mean, that's, just, that's just hospitality. That's just, hey, I don't know you. I would love to have you over for dinner sometime. You can pray for others. That is a 
That is a gift. And I'm, and I'm telling you there is, that I do believe that that is a spiritual gifting, that there are certain people who pray. My grandmother, my great-grandmother was one of those. And I remember she, she died when she was 97. I was in college. And, uh, and I remember at her funeral, my, my grandfather, who had been a pastor for 40 years, that week uh, had just retired from, from uh, ministry. And I remember at the funeral, he said, it's a good thing I retired this week because the week my, my mom died, you know, my great-grandma, because he said, I know that every single day she was praying for me. And I don't think I could sustain myself in ministry if it wasn't for her upholding me in prayer. That's a gift. Handbells? Yeah, yeah, handbell choir. Uh, maybe we'll do it for Easter. I don't know. We'll see how it goes on Christmas. <laughs> Lead a small group. I just share the gospel. Tell people about Jesus. Go into the kingdom of darkness and advance the cause. And again, it's greater than lower town. So I'm not saying it has to be here or within these walls, but you've been given a talent. You've been given a gift, every single one of you that believes in Christ. So there's four different ways that we can hear this sermon. And I mean this. There's, the first one is, <laughs> dodge that bullet. I already do something, right? I already serve. I already do this thing. Woo, I'm, I'm in the clear. I'm already using my talent. Another one is, Man, I'm already doing something, but I, but I could probably be doing more. And then you experience burnout. So, so if you're doing a lot, you can come to me and say, hey, I'd love to do this. I'm hoping I have at least enough sense to know what you already do to say, mm, no, you're not. No, you're not. You, you have to be able to say no to things. And I don't want you to get burnt out because I need you to do what you're doing. The third way I can hear this is I should do something. I guess I should do this. I feel guilty, I feel ashamed. I've been here for a while, whatever, fill in the blank. I guess I should probably be doing something. Wrong. I don't want you to hear that. This is such an easy sermon to try to manipulate you or twist you into doing something. That's not the point. What I want you is again to do it gladly. Not I should do this. I want to, I get, I get to do this. I get to take this talent that maybe I've, I've been a little shy about. I don't necessarily want to use it. I'm just good with like accounting and numbers. That's weird. I don't know how to do that. Well, hey, talk to me, All right? I'm not asking for help with that specifically, but uh, maybe. I want to share a story, uh, a big one that you can use your relationships or you use your talent maybe just to build relationships. Relationships are so incredibly key when it comes to sharing the gospel with people. Um, I just recently taught a class uh, in systematic theology, and we were talking about, uh, what did we talk about this last week? I don't remember what we were talking about, but either way, I brought up Billy Graham. And uh, Billy Graham, famous, uh, probably one of the most famous uh, evangelists to preach the gospel that in our, not in my generation, but previous generations saw, our parents' generation, that he would do these huge meetings called crusades, and what was interesting, if you go back and you listen to some recordings of Billy Graham when he's preaching, he doesn't actually convince people of the gospel. He actually doesn't say, hey, here's how I know Jesus is real. There is a God. Let me, let me get into apologetics and, and say that there is a creator who made you. Who, he doesn't do any of that. He stands there and he says, you all already know you're sinners. Now believe in Jesus, <laughs> right? Because they already had this understanding a little bit, a lot of previous generations grew up going to church. 
And then they got mad and they left the church. And so our generation, by our, I mean millennials and Zs, didn't grow up going to church, a lot of us. And then what happens though, is that there's been a shift that now it's not just we go door to door, knocking on a door and saying, if you were to die today, where would you go? And that's what I did growing up. That obviously didn't go too well with a lot of people. But now we get to have relationships. That our relationships with people, to be able to get to know them, they get to see you, how you love and care for them and care for others. Get to see how, yes, you, you admit that you're broken, that you're not perfect, but you love Jesus. And we need to share those relationships. So quick story, 10 years ago, uh, right around 10 years ago, I was a, a youth pastor up in Shoreview at my father-in-law's church and I was doing a, a men's thing and we were watching some, some video or something, I don't remember what it was, uh, for, for men to like mentor people. And a lot of it was like, you know, if you're an older guy, go find one or two people and, and you know, once a week, take them out for breakfast and, and share your faith and struggle. And it's like, that, that's a lot right? Uh, and, and is that actually mentoring? And so I remember we watched the video and I, and I got up there and I just said, I think maybe what the younger generation needs, and I was actually a younger generation when I said this, um, that, that I think we just want to get to know you. Uh, that, you know, for me at the time, I didn't have a dad. Uh, and, and so I was like, I, it'd be kind of fun to hang out with an older guy. And, and one of the gentlemen that was there, uh, I'll, I'll put his picture up. His name was Rich Sanders. And uh, great guy, love this guy, miss this guy. Uh, and, and I, at the time, you guys know, I have a, an old Jeep, right, a 96 Jeep Cherokee XJ. Uh, it's my baby, right? And I was working on it. And at the time, uh, so it's a great, great vehicle. Uh, but what would happen is I would try to work on it, try to modify it. And I would end up doing more damage than what was already done to it. And then I would have to get it towed to a place to actually fix the mistakes I made. Um, and I, and he knew this, we were kind of just, I was just sharing that cause I can't not talk about my Jeep. Right. Uh, and, and I was talking about it one day and I mentioned like I would watching all these YouTube videos on how to fix my Jeep and all these different things. And then we did this thing and he came up to me afterwards and he said, Hey, um, I was a Jeep mechanic in Vietnam. If you want, I've got all the tools. Why don't you come over to my place and you can dig some holes for me and I'll work on your Jeep. I was like, yeah, sounds great. And he helped me so much, but he didn't just do it, right? He, he taught me how to do these things. Could I have learned it from YouTube? Yes, bleepinjeep.com. It's a fantastic website, all right? Learn anything you wanna learn and more about Jeeps. You can cook a burrito through your radiator on a Jeep, uh, XJs, XJs only, right? Now, because they get too hot, <laughs> they run hot. But what was really cool about this guy, Rich, is that he came up to me out of his own volition. And he just said, hey, I see that there's a need. Are his talents gonna be getting up on a Sunday morning to preach? Are his talents gonna be running around in a, in a gym with a bunch of little kids? No, but he's gonna pull up on his Harley and he's gonna, to, he, he modified his car to run on hydrogen, right? He was just a, and he was just, just an average Joe. He, but but he, he was so cool to get to know him and then to get to talk to, about Jesus with him because we had that in common. And I got to know him and love him and care for him and vice versa. And, and, and this happens because I'm telling you right now, it's not just the older generation needs to reach out to us, uh, those of us who are younger, but we need to go to them as well. That they want to get to know you just as much. And so maybe the talent that we have, or the gift that God has given us is just to be able to care for somebody who needs to be cared for. 
And I can guarantee you there are people, I know there are people here in this room that just need someone to come alongside them and say, hey, how you doing? Let's hang out. Let's get coffee. I want to close with this last uh, verse from Psalm 84, verse 10. If you grew up in the church, the first half of this verse might be familiar, but the second half, maybe not so much. It says this, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. It's a song. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Who sings that? Anyone else sing that? Who knows? Who knows? I don't know who sings that. Chris Tomlin will sing. I have no idea. But then the next half of this verse is, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell, to live in the tents of the wicked. Just that phrase, I'd rather be a doorkeeper. I'd rather be someone who opens the door, who welcomes people in, who walks by me, who doesn't even recognize me or notice I'm even there. That's where my heart should be when it comes to serving God. So again, as we look at time, treasure, talent, ticker, that ticker, that heart impacts everything. And so if you're feeling anything as far as spirit convicting, or I, I want to do these things, great. But if you're feeling, ah, I got to do this, I should do I feel I feel bad. I don't want you to hear that at all. I want you to hear the gospel, that Christ loves you, that he has given you a gift, and that he wants you to use that for, for his glory. So gospel application, how can you use your talents? You all have one. How can you use your gifts? But again, not for your sake, not for your honor, not for your glory, not to be seen, but for the body of Christ and for his glory. At this time, we're gonna take communion. We do this every week at Hope Lower Town. And, and if you're checking out Hope, that's fine. All I would ask is that you're a, a follower of Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've died to sin and you are pursuing a relationship with Christ and you, you are worshiping him as Lord, I would love for you to partake of these elements. The, the, the bread, the little wafer that represents the body of Christ that's broken for you, the juice that represents his blood that has been poured out for your soul. And I would love for you to partake of these elements. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we just ask that you would uh, abstain from these elements this morning, but you don't have to be a member of this church or a member anywhere. But this morning, if you've been coming since you know, we re reopened uh, post-COVID in that sense, or reopened our doors, that is, we, we used to have the elements in the back in the lobby and you grab it when you came in. This morning, we're going to do things a little bit differently, kind of back to what we used to. We still have the individualized uh, thing just for sanitary reasons. Um, I think the tearing of bread uh, of the loaf might, might be a thing of the past. Uh, so we're going to keep using these cups. But I would love for you to, to come forward. Uh, the worship team is going to play two songs. And so feel free to come forward and grab uh, the elements and then uh, take a seat and partake of those elements as you see fit. And, and the reason why... That, we, that I wanted to start doing it again this way is because we are a body, as we even talked about this morning, that we do this together. And if I've said it once, I've said it a million times, and I'm probably getting close to a million times, that your relationship with Christ is personal. You can have a personal relationship with Christ, but it is never meant to be private. The same way our talents are not meant to be private. We share this. And so I want you to come up here, grab these elements, look around at your brothers and sisters who are gonna be partaking of these elements with you that are worshiping their Lord and Savior, that are remembering what it is that Christ did on the cross for us thousands of years ago, that he died so that we might have life abundantly and that we can share others. We've been entrusted now with that story to give to others. So let's pray. And as the worship team comes, 
We will partake of these elements together and sing through song. Let's pray together. Father, again, I want to thank you for uh, just the opportunity to meet, uh, to gather in this space that for 160 plus years, people have been gathered in this room. And for that amount of time, your, your body, not the church, this building could burn down tomorrow, but your body would still exist. Your church would, would still thrive. And so we get to, with our, our brothers and sisters in you who have gone before us, who have since passed, that we get to now walk the same aisles as these saints and we get to partake of these elements and remember, remember what it is that your son has done for us, the love that you have given us to save us, to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from everything that we've ever done and be called sons and daughters to take a seat at that feast someday as we are gonna sit there and we are gonna see you face to face. But we're not there yet. We see now in a, in a mirror dimly lit but we get to now partake of these elements and taste and viscerally taste and see that you are God and you are good. So I pray now that you would receive honor and glory do your name as we remember what you've done, the sacrifice that you have done for us and made for us on our, be our good and our behalf for your glory. As we lift up our voices together through song, that you'd receive that honor and glory do your name and that we would engage our hearts and do so gladly. It's in Christ's name that we pray.